welcome to Our Plant Stories and come with me to New Covent Garden Market in London. At the moment it's like dahlias, 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 cosmos as well, which are obviously those big daisies, one of my favourites. If you had a windy day and a cosmo, it'd be a nightmare. If you search in the previous episodes, you will find one called Plant Tattoos. Hannah, who you just heard, is a florist. The story she told of the plant tattoos she has to honour and remember her mum are both poignant and beautiful. And the conversation between her and her best friend Maya, also a florist, about floriography, the language of flowers, was a joy to record. At the end of the recording, Hannah offered to take me on a tour of the new Covent Garden market where she goes to buy her flowers. It's a place I have always wanted to go. So, for this offshoot episode, let's start there. So it's 6.30am, but in flower market terms, that is really quite late. Um, watch, out, watch out for trolleys. These are Bloomfield, they're my guys. I order from them all the time. Um, so I'll walk you down like Flower Avenue, as it were. You'll see there's like plant suppliers, flower suppliers, uh, foliage suppliers, which is greenery. And then at the other end, at either end, there's like um, sundries, which is like where you get your ribbons, your bags, your vases, uh, your silk flowers if you're in that market. All that kind of stuff everywhere. So this is GB Foliage. They get all their foliage from uh, Great Britain. <laughs> As a general thing, you can buy an avalanche rose in whatever colour you want all year round. But there are lots of other flowers that are definitely seasonal. Peony season's just finished. Um, dahlia season, as we were talking about, has just come in. Um, so there are definitely like some of the stars are definitely during the season, um, and you should only buy them during the season because they are better. Um, you probably can get a hold of them outside of season, but they'll be coming from further away around the world, um, which obviously is bad for the environment, but also means that they might be smaller, more damaged. They're not. You're paying a premium price for a less the product you don't want. So when you think about it, you're thinking about it in its high season. If you order a, a peony in December, it'll come, it'll be a bullet, no guarantee it'll be open, it'll be tiny. It's not worth it. Not worth the money. But what is it actually like to be a florist? When I chatted to Hannah and Maya, I got the sense that floristry had never been suggested to them by careers teachers or advisors as a really creative industry to look into. Was I right? Very true. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. It's not, it's not necessarily like, um, it's not their fault because <laughs> they've been, they obviously want um, all of the students to uh, become lawyers or whatever in any other, or teachers or doctors and all that stuff. And obviously uh, floristry, I think, has that traditional uh, backstory of almost being a um, second choice career, maybe, maybe even a third choice career for a lot of people. And they sort of think of it I mean, in the same stereotypical way that um, hairdressers or whatever have that kind of stigma attached to them as well. It's seen as an easy job. It is seen as la-di-da. It's seen as really airy-fairy, which obviously me and Maya know more than anyone is definitely not the case. But yeah. it's not. It's definitely not teachers' fault that it's like that. I don't really blame them. They've, no. they've also been told to teach their kids everything they need to do to succeed in life. And I don't necessarily think they necessarily think that floristry is a 
hard career to succeed in which isn't their fault well I also think that like before I started floristry I even didn't know what it was so I think that there's just not really a very clear understanding outside of floristry what being a florist entails so where most people just think it's just making flowers and selling them mainly in shops etc there's just so much more that goes into it that actually Lots of other skills you could learn at school, university, doing courses, whatever, feed into, if not just the creative side, but the client liaising, planning, etc. side. Maths. Maths. So um, the market technically opens at four. There might be some florists who come in earlier than that, but that's because they've got a pre-existing arrangement with a grower or whatever. But there's no point turning up before four because no one will appreciate you being here before four. That's like their setup time. It's also when they're unloading the Dutch vans, uh, lorries that will have come into the car park. So they'll be unloading from about two till four here. So they don't want anyone to show up before then. But also like sometimes if you don't, if you come before five, which I often do, so I often will come between 4.30 and five, they'll still be setting up their stalls they'll still be unloading doesn't mean you can't be served at all and it's totally commonplace I'm not the only person here at that time um but that it's not going to look like it does now so they almost prep from four for six and six is when I would say a lot of tourists come in at that time um a lot of like people who don't come to the market that often so will need more help come from six if that makes sense so um from four till six it's usually florists here we know what's up we'll go get our stuff we might have pre-ordered things so we'll be here from that six is usually when yeah it's you see a lot more tourists that don't want to get get up at 3 a.m in the morning um and a lot of people asking questions oh there's no prices on anything <laughs> what's how many can i buy for this and blah 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 see a lot of that from six and then the market kind of starts winding down from eight. So it's very like quick, but that's how, what you'd expect for a normal market, I'd assume. Um, when you say there's no prices on anything, yes. explain. So it's a trade market. So it's a bit like, so it's not like a normal flower market where you, like Columbia Road, for instance. It's not like one of those where they're sold in small batch numbers. Everything is sold in sort of a generic number form. So you can buy uh, roses, for instance, in tens. You can buy hydrangeas in fives, but filler flowers, say, or like, or like smaller headed flowers, you'll be buying in bulk. So 25 to 50. This market is made for florists. It is made for stalls, shops, everywhere around the UK. They'll ship out from here around the UK and stuff, but it's made for that. So they sell in bulk because it's a trade market by standard. It's where everyone used to get their flowers from, from, you know, early 19th century um, and stuff. And it's still run like that a lot today. So there's no price on anything. Oh, and also there's no price on anything because all flowers are sold and priced at auction. So it's an auction house system. So in uh, Holland, there's a big auction house where they will a loud trolley going past. <laughs> Standard. Oh, full of grasses. Wait, can you see it over there? big trolley just full of grasses going out to a lorry <laughs> probably a landscaping company taking all the grasses to their fancy house or something um, so all flowers are sold at auction bought at auction and that flower price is determined every single day so every single day farmers around the world will be cutting their flowers 
and a, a grader will go and look at it and say what grade it's going to be from A to, I actually don't know what the lowest grade is, but most people don't buy lower than A, really. Um, and then someone will determine the price that should be for the whole world. It's dependent on demand, it's dependent on season, it is dependent on length of stem. That's also a common one. The longer the length, the bigger the head. It's general rule. So if you buy a 70 centimeter rose, you're going to have a bigger head on it than a 40 centimeter rose, which will have a tiny head that won't open, say, for example. And so then that, that means that that's, and also if peony, we were just talking about the season of peonies. Peonies in their high season are the cheapest. Peonies in their low season are more expensive because everyone wants them, but there aren't as many. Um, and generally they take a lot more effort to grow out of season and shipping costs as well where they're coming from all that kind of thing so there's no point marking up anything in this market with a price tag because it will only be true for a day and then they'd have to do it all again the next day and when you are a stall holder with over 120 different varieties on your stand you just don't have time the market is pretty much only open four to six hours a day you'd be spending three of those hours just pricing everything and and it just changes all the time um, so yeah it's just it's not worth their time to do it but all of them are more than happy if you wanted to ask them prices they can tell you it's not a problem they might have to go check the sheet of the current price that day but yeah a lot of flowers prices change all the time that's why red roses are more expensive at Valentine's Day for instance which is the common annoyance of most men why are they more expensive at this time well it's because the demand is obviously higher it's Valentine's Day <laughs> We go to florists at the best and the most difficult times of our lives, weddings and funerals. And I wondered about the skills that requires from people like Hannah and Maya. I think to be a florist, you do need to be a people person and be quite emotionally intelligent. Because as you say, you're, like, you're meeting people in the extremes of their life very often. Um, I think the nice thing about it is that generally you are making any situation, if it's good, even better. If it's bad, hopefully a little bit more easy to deal with. Like it's flowers never bring sadness, they bring joy. And one of the things I think as a florist, and I'm sure Hannah can agree with me, is when you do see flowers that are not being cared for well, or, you, or and they do, and then they are bringing sadness, it's like the worst thing that can happen. So it's all about that. It's about honouring the person that you're giving the flowers to or you're organising it for. But it's also about dealing with people who are very stressed um, a lot of the yeah. time and being very calm, even though... They might be stressed, but they don't know actually how much it's going to take to get what they want. So you might be stressed, but you can't show them that. <laughs> yeah, I have that a lot in weddings, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so when, when you're meeting brides or I find in more cases, family members of bridal family, of yeah. bridal couples, the bride and groom. I find that they might come at you with immediate like stress or anxiety about something and you immediately have to be able to read the situation, read what's going to solve it, be able to reassure and also to be a mate in that scenario. I think a lot of the time as a florist when, you know, if you work in shops or you work 
like like or um my work mainly in events and I obviously have my own company with events but often you know if you end up in a shop environment um or you're in retail you end up having to almost be a friend to the person that's facing you Mm. no matter how they're coming at you you have to almost meet them as if you're meeting them in a coffee shop and try and see through the immediate like whether the facade is I know loads about flowers and you can't tell me anything or whether it's I know nothing about flowers and I'm trying to buy for my like the first girlfriend I've ever got you know whatever they're coming at you with you need to immediately be that person they would go to the pub with or go for a coffee or walk down the street with quite quickly yeah. and then mainly just to get to the you know get to what it is that they want so many people come in and assume that we can read minds which is uh, a skill I wish they taught us in floristry school I mean it definitely isn't but we have to almost yeah be able to ask them quickly and securely what they need what how can we help them um and you know and also be yeah as Maya said meet them emotionally where they might be as well um and try and help them engage with what we're doing engage with what they're buying because I think people buy flowers mostly out of emotion for someone else so you want them to engage with what they're buying you can talk to them about what they're buying how to look after it all those sort of things but you need to be able to like work out what colors are best and what what colors does that person wear and you know like all those sort of questions that don't seem important at the time but you know you have to be able to do that quite quickly and and that actually isn't something that they teach you have to literally learn that on the job but that's also sometimes for me where I've, I think both of us have had a lot of experience in retail before sort of moving into doing our own things or doing events. Um, and that I've used the language of flowers quite a lot in my time in retail because I think that actually it's very, one thing you learn is that not everyone, not everyone's mind is wired the same, like where some people think in a sort of creative way or look at colours or this way. Other people think in much more mathematical and analytical ways. And being able to tell someone that this flower that is right here means this, 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 it helps them to, under- to sort of be able to give meaning to what they're doing and give a story for when they do go home to their wife or they do go home to their whoever and give them something. It gives them like a little bit of personal information and extra thought that they kind of have put into it. And I think it makes things seem a lot more special. I like that. That's a, that's a, yes, as you say, it adds another kind of level as well, doesn't it? That we don't necessarily know of. Although I think you guys must have to be virtual mind readers because you're literally, someone's telling you and you're trying to think and and peel back the layers and work out what it is they really are looking for the, want. the best is um the one that we that I think neither of us ever feel that sorry for but we quite both quite enjoy is um you know the good old sorry bouquet yeah, uh, classic. <laughs> absolutely classic the good old sorry bouquet we, we've both heard some real some real some real shockers there but it is quite fun to deal with that situation because sometimes you have to ask them how much do you usually spend on a bouquet and then you say double it yeah how sorry <laughs> how sorry are you how what did you do <laughs> depends what you did yeah yeah classic do you basically on that one just go for it? You've got to go all out because this is if you're going to go sorry, you can't half do it, can you? Basically, That's, you know, you can't. How much do you need forgiveness? How much yeah. do you love them? <laughs> and that should give you a, a monetary value. Yeah. So we do. I mean, we do take it very seriously, but we do also have quite a lot of fun with it. Too. You've got to laugh about some scenarios that you find yourself in for sure. I'm sure you have to. I'm sure you have to. And yes, I, yeah, I can imagine. And I think that. Um, 
you know, also sometimes I, I, I have a florist very near to me who I, who I um, go to, Eric. And uh, the one thing he, he always isn't particularly keen on is red roses. Do you have any plants that you're not particularly keen to recommend to people, but people <laughs> often go, I need to buy red roses? Um, Gypsophila. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, baby's breath. Never do it. Maybe okay. <laughs> Maybe fine on mass and a big thing and a big installation, but really yeah. like just just avoid. However, things go through phases. Everyone hated carnations for years. And yeah. I think they are stunning. Like they're so nice, such nice textures, such nice colours. Easy they're to use. Easy to use. <laughs> nice to flourish, they last long, like yeah. bring them back. Yeah. yeah. I think um yeah, I uh I find that the flowers that I probably dislike the most are the ones that I find hardest to use. Jip is hard because you get it in a big ball and as you're pulling stems apart, stems break all the time and like that's what makes it like hard to use. It also, in my opinion, smells awful. Horrible. So bad. But people love it and that's fine. I mean, at the moment we're seeing a real trend for like eucalyptus, which is great, but I think it's a shame when people don't realise you can get over 300 different types of eucalyptus and there's some really great ones out there. Um... For me, other ones that I don't particularly love are like hyacinths, but mainly because they're very short stemmed and so they're quite tough for us to use. And also, the and short- you're allergic. And well, I'm allergic as well, but that's, <laughs> that's not the main thing. But I find them hard to use anyway. I think tulips are, you know, always popular, but I find them quite tricky to use because they're very bendy. And I'm allergic. You know- and you're allergic to those. So between us, we can definitely have a real plethora of stuff. But yeah, as Maya said, it does all go through freight phases. And also throughout the year, you'll you'll have a season where all you've basically used and all you've basically been asked for and, you know, used on a daily or weekly basis is the same flower. Yeah. And sometimes you're just desperate for the next season to come around just to use something else. Like oh just gosh. to move on. Yeah. Winter and is I- hard for that. Yeah, winter is hard for that. But I mean, to be fair, there's some great flowers in winter, but it's it's tricky because everyone wants the ones that everyone knows. We know that there are other flowers in season in winter, but people just want amaryllis, which me and Maya both don't love Amaryllis, with. I think, is actually my least favourite by far. Yeah, I hate it. Be. Yeah, it's hard. It's tricky to use. Hollow stems, they snap a lot. People only want them in mass, so they're always like really big bouquets. And, you, and people don't know this, but often when you have to order them from florists, we have to actually put a stick up each one. So we have to put a stick in every individual stem to stop it from snapping before we can use it in anything, which makes the whole process so long and arduous. And then sometimes you'll hear one, you'll do like a massive bouquet of maybe like a hundred of them. And just as you tie it, you hear one in the middle snap and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't do this anymore. (laughs) And that's the moments where you go get to the end of your tether a little bit and you're like, I am desperate for spring, anything in spring. I'll take hyacinths, I'll take tulips, I'll take anything but this. (laughs) Oh, the best flower in the world. Is this Café Olé? Yeah, this is Café Olé. Oh, isn't it gorgeous? Yeah, they're so great. Just really known for like their dinner plate size blooms. Um, they look different to a sort of standard dahlia. You can see the ones over there are like pom-pom dahlias, look like they're made out of paper, consultinas, whereas the dahlias, the Café Olé, spread out, almost a bit like trumpets. They are absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, they're they? my favourites, my favourites in the world. Love them. The colour is just... Yeah, you can get them in different colours now as well. I actually got some for a wedding last weekend that were like an orange. I think they were called Labyrinth of Variety. As young florists, what do you see as coming trends and what excites you about the future 
being florists. Can I just say I'm so glad you said that we were young. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> I love Trust that. me, you are young. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm excited for, for the future of floristry. I do think like, as trends will change and continue to grow over time, there will always be new things to learn, which is so great. And like, for instance, you know, over recent years, us and the floristry industry have seen a massive change from use for, to be more sustainable. So as the rest of the world is also waking up to sustainability, florists are as well. We're starting to invent new ways of using, um, you know, making moss into a reusable base for, you know, arrangements and stuff, how to make stuff into things that are new, repurposing and rechanging. But that also comes with like us all getting to learn new techniques and that will slowly grow across the world. Um, but I think that's going to grow over time. People are, you know, geniuses are thinking up new things all the time in terms of like, how can we push flowers to new limits? How can we arrange them in a new way that's not been seen before? And that's happening all the time. And it's such a joy. And I think like also, um, I'm sure Maya will touch on this. Um, we're seeing more people get into floristry from different backgrounds in the UK, mm. especially, which is amazing. And that also brings a whole new um viewpoint on the flowers and and you know new techniques are growing um and yeah and it's always exciting also like as growers also get better around the world we're seeing new varieties pop up all the time which is also amazing you know you see new things that you never see before from the you know from the year before and we've been in floristry for a while <laughs> a long while uh, so you know it's always great to see something change and something new um and yeah it's 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 very exciting time to be a florist to be honest um, I would say, like, in terms of trends in floristry, um, from, like, an aesthetic point of view, there are always really interesting and new and innovative trends coming through in terms of sort of combining um, aesthetics from around the world into what we're seeing now on, like, in mass production. Um, what I would... And when I talk about that, there's sort of, like really an architectural trend coming through people are using a lot of inspiration from Ikebana mm. um there's a lot more in a very beautiful and elegant way almost less flowers more design um however I do think that there is something to be said for timelessness um and that trends are amazing I love following florists that are doing new and interesting things what I really really love seeing is when people are using like the natural product in an amazing way so making the most of the shape of a stem making the most of the imperfections or sort of whatever it is with that quirks quirks exactly (laughs) going through that um and just making really really beautiful things I personally maybe go slightly more against like the trend trends that, are, that that you do see and I'm more into like people that are just celebrating how beautiful flowers can be basically yeah I think so it must be so good when you get when you do a really beautiful arrangement and and you just know you've you've smashed it oh basically. we've done it once or twice <laughs> we've done it once feeling, or twice it? <laughs> it must be so wonderful there are those moments but you know so but floristry is incredibly subjective yeah and sometimes you look at something and you're like that is the most beautiful thing I have ever done it is stunning I'll send a picture to Hannah she's a florist she's like wow that's incredible customer sees it they're like well didn't really expect that and you're like oh okay <laughs> my 
my heart. <laughs> the thing with floristry is it's like, it's so creative and it's so artistic. But when you have it, I sometimes, this is maybe, I don't know, when with an artist, sometimes they can spend months and months and months closeted away working on a piece because they're so, so sort of anticip anticipating someone seeing it. Florists are churning out creative things that they're putting like their heart and soul into every time multiple times a day and having criticism come back and you kind of have to get a bit of a thick skin around it as well um it's very subjective mm -hmm. but do you also have favorite moments where you've had someone come in and just be utterly wowed by yeah 100 percent. Yeah, it's what you kind of live for is just seeing especially when you've worked with someone from beginning to end is yeah. seeing someone just be like oh my gosh and I mean Hannah's had this as well as I've had this as when when brides cry at bridal bouquets it's yeah. a lovely lovely feeling and yeah hopefully you catch some pre-makeup but it's just so nice <laughs> um, yeah I've started at my wedding sometimes I'll take photos of the reception room after I've finished and as I go up to their room I'll give them their bouquets obviously but I might say would you like to see it now and they go yeah I'd love to see it and like the reaction is, is honestly everything it's the whole reason you do it that's why most florists wedding florists at least will end with handing over the bouquet like they want to end on that note they want to mm -hmm. be able to walk away and be like I smashed it like and it's the best it's the best feeling in the world to know that you really were there for someone at that moment and you got to make um, that day even better for them. It's just yeah. such a joy. I think also just the pure thing of you going, going to the market and seeing like the perfect thing yeah. and something that just makes you, yeah, you really connect with the flowers when you see them and they're just so amazing. Do you both go to the market to buy flowers? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we do. I mean, I think it's something that we've done since we studied floristry. And for me, it's one of the main things I love. <laughs> I mean, a lot of, you know, a lot of like retail floristry shops won't do it. They don't have time and that's fine. And they've got a lot of other stuff to do during the day. For events, it's one of the main joys. Yeah. Of, for me, it's one of the main joys of the job is being able to drive to the market at 4 a.m. through an empty London and being able to just like go and see everything, even if it's not for your, for whatever event you're doing that week. You get to go see everything. You get to go see flowers. Like people who go into the market who, you know, don't only have ever been into their local florist will see flowers they've never seen before yeah. they'll see colors they've never seen before they'll smell things they've never smelled before and it's honestly it's such an experience I really wish everyone had the tenacity to get up at 4am to go but I'm aware that not everyone does yeah well I think you've just you've just given me potentially Hannah if you're up for this uh, an offshoot because I don't oh know my if, if Hannah... Sally I would take you any time I'm desperate to take more people everyone keeps going I want to go with you sometime and then never happens oh, Sally if you want to go I will, I will take you the market is just amazing like mm -hmm. I feel like also to be really good especially in events um you need to go to the market yeah. You need to see what's there because you just can't plan on what was there last year because there's always yeah. new things. And like, for instance, the best event I ever did and I will ever be the best event was I did my brother's wedding. And I planned everything. Everything was planned. Me and Hannah did it together. Yeah, we did. But went to the <clears throat> market and I saw this massive, like, mound of um, old man's beard. It's like clematis. And it wasn't, was not on the brief. It was not. But it just... We had to have it. Had to have it. And I just had like... Had to have it. I just like sort of traipsed around the market holding this over my shoulder. Um, it yeah. was huge. 
Um, and it, the old man's beard was the thing that my brother remembers the most from the flowers. He loved it so much. When I saw it, I just knew he would love it. And I knew my, um, Amelia would love it. It's just stunning. And, you know, it's those moments where you're just like, wow, this place is amazing. And also it's an experience in terms of, you know, the people as well. Everyone's in, everyone is such a character there. Um, it's yeah, really people- great. You get sellers who have been, you know, their store was originally their great, great, great grandfather's yeah. in Covent Garden Market where it yeah. started. The majority, you know, I like The majority like of them are family, they're family businesses. They will always probably be family businesses. They've been in it for, you know, since they were eight years old mm. and whatever. And like, you, you know, and also like you see florists from all different parts of the UK there. Like people travel so far to get there sometimes and like, it's just a, it's just an absolute joy. Like one of the greatest experiences of my life is when uh, I'd been enough times that people started remembering me and they'd come <laughs> in and be like, Hannah, oh my gosh, it's so great to see you. And I'd be like, I have made it in floristry. Forget the brides and grooms. If these guys remember me and they're looking at hundreds of people every week, I have made it. And now I've got such good friends there and I love seeing them when I have to, like when I go. And it's just such a joy. Like, apart from the flowers, sometimes the people make it there. 100%. And also the cafe is really good. Oh, the cafe's great. (laughs) The cafe's great. I mean, maybe it's because it's 5am when you're going. But I think the cafe is one of the greatest bits. Sadly, the cafe was shut the morning I was there. But I'm going to use that as an excuse to share with you, dear listener, that you can now buy me a coffee. It's a way to show support to Our Plant Stories, currently an independent podcast without any income. So any donation, if you've enjoyed the series so far, will go a long way to helping with some of the monthly costs of making a podcast, such as the editing system, the podcast hosting platform or the recording app. And it will really help me as I start to work towards Series 2 of Our Plant Stories. You simply go to the website, ourplantstories.com, and click on the Buy Me A Coffee tab. Yeah, thanks, Sam. That's right, no worries. Um, where's that asparagus, sir? Is it outside? That's well, if you can take the right and follow the Yeah, thank you. Uh, there's been a couple of times where I've had to come and just pick up something really quickly. And, um, and so I've got the tube. And then I'll be on the tube, though, it's the same with... Like, because you go back at like 6, 6.30, half the tube are in suits, half the tube are carrying <laughs> obscene plants and, and Ikea bags full of stems. Um, yeah, very funny, very funny. And yeah, and it's generally it's just awe-inspiring. I think you would agree after looking around today. Love it. Yeah. Very excited. Yeah. I need to come back. I know. Yeah. Should we go and wander further? Yeah, should we go wander? <laughs> <laughs> If you have enjoyed this offshoot, but haven't heard the episode called Plant Tattoos, I do recommend you take a listen. In this podcast, we always learn how to grow a plant. And in this case, it's freesias, because that is one of Hannah's plant tattoos. Our Plant Stories is presented and produced by me, Sally Flatman.